Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Bruce Sullivan. Bruce, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, uh, Bruce, now you're a name that I've seen out in the stratosphere doing some amazing things. So I want to kick off by asking you the question I ask most people, which is, how do you define success? Well, that's a question that I think has been defined more eloquently by others, even other than myself. And I think it's a moving target. You know, uh, it's something that changes as life changes. And, you know, the quote by Emerson, which I just happen to have handy just here for me, in case you did ask me that question, <laughs> is the one that I think that I, you know, even at the ripe old age of 50, I look at it and go, I think, you know, it's this to laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived, this is to have succeeded. Thank you, Mr. Emerson. And um, sometimes I think it's said more eloquently by others because, you know, when I was 15, I just wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. And then when I was 30, I just wanted to have kids and be a great dad and have a good marriage. And then when I was 40, you know, I was looking forward to the next chapter of kids and life and relationships. And, you know, so I think some of the important things shift a little bit as you get older. Now, for me, at 50, I want to be happy, healthy, I think you've got a goal to be a happy, healthy 100. I love that goal. Um, up until I just uh, had that conversation with you, fittest 85-year-old on the planet. That's what I'm working on. So Fantastic. this vehicle can go on. And, you know, even the last part of that Emerson quote, uh, just how do I go on making someone else's life just a little easier? Breathe easier because I've been on the planet. So... Well, that's very interesting because one of the things you're known for is you do a lot of work around red-hot relationships. Um, and... I, there's so many people I know who are continually working at their relationships and red hot might not be the way they describe it. <laughs> so what are the secrets to successful relationships? You know, you're obviously talking to people about red hot relationships from mm. your research and the, all the people that you've been working with. What are some of the key ingredients for a successful relationship? Look, I think we all start successfully. You know, uh, you know, I, w I work on the how do you be the best version of you? And when I'm telling people who the best version of you is, it was the person that turned up at the job interview or the first date. The person that turned up at the job interview or the first date was helpful, curious, well-researched, patient, forgiving, interested, interesting. They, they brought their A game to the interview. The person at the first date showered, presented well, sprayed the aftershave or the perfume all over them, you know, was early did the research that the best version of you turns up and all of our research says it only takes about 12 weeks personally or professionally for the other person to arrive and the other person was not the person at the first date you know when your date's 20 minutes late it's like will you just stop apologizing 
it's great to see you. No, that's just the traffic in this city these days. No, can I get you a glass of wine, cup of tea? What are you in the mood for? And so you get into that space then, but 12 weeks in, and 12 weeks is our arbitrary research figure. You know, when your date's 20 minutes late, it's like, well, where have you been? We're supposed to be gone at six o'clock. Why didn't you ring me? You watch your phone not working? You couldn't even send me a text message from the lights. So it's like, what happened in that space? And I think the thing that happens between that first date and then 12 weeks in, is that the, the intention is gone. You know, the intention is clear and obvious when you first start. You know, I want to have a beautiful date. I want to make a good impression. I want this to be my choice about whether there's a second date or not. And so there's all this energy and effort goes into that clear intention. Yeah. And 12 weeks in, it's about you put the toilet roll on the long way. You know, why didn't you bring the clothes in? You know, were you going to walk the dog? How, how come I'm always walking the dog? Like, <laughs> reality takes over and people just forget what the intention is. So, you know, my, my encouragement there is for people just to stop, you know, pull into the garage at home and go back and do a little intention ritual. Sit, you know, when was the last time you sat in the car when you drove in the driveway at home and went, what do I want to be famous for in the next two hours? Do I want to be famous for patient, helpful, loving, forgiving, adding to, generous? Or do I want to be famous for cynical, resentful, unfeeling, negative, complaining? Just have a little intention ritual moment like we did at the first day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that'd be the same, not just for your, your intimate relationships, but also relationships with colleagues, bosses, kids, dogs, all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dogs are always easier because they're always happy to see you. Right. So <laughs> regardless of how you left them in the morning every day, they're just excited. But I, I think, yeah, it's the same rules apply. You know, we suggest to companies that you set up agreements with people to be the person that turned up at the job interview. Our first and primary agreement, remember the person that turned up at the job interview, we want that person. And we know because we're all human 12 weeks later, this other person will emerge. So set up a really healthy relationship with feedback so that we can let you know when you're being the other person and you can come back and be the person who you intended to be, the person that convinced us to enter a relationship with. So I think, you know, intention ritual and a feedback mechanism is really good. And so that's, that's great when you have awareness. So yeah. what, what happens if you turn into that 12 week later person and you're a bit of a pain in the ass for one of a more technical term and you don't have the insight to actually notice that? How can your partner, colleague, kids, friends have that conversation with you in a way that you don't react, explode as sometimes people do? So how can you set up that kind of feedback loop so that you can ask the question? Do you, do you have a process for that? Yeah, look, I think when people are behaving badly, people can't wait to tell them about their behaviour and how bad it is. So there's this, you did this and you were late and this wasn't good and now how come this happened? And so people get stuck in that, right? So there's this challenge then in terms of... Uh, that person in that space, you know, wanting to get defensive, you know, if you start attacking my behaviour, there's a good chance that I'm going to be on the defence straight away. As opposed to go back, let's revisit the intention. Honey, you know, my intention is to have a happy, healthy, loving, beautiful, long-term relationship with you. And there's a couple of things that are happening that really, that, that I'm struggling with. And I don't want to bring them up with you, though, until I know that this is going to be a really positive, healthy conversation because we both want a really good quality relationship. And so, so the first agreement, if you like, is let's be clear 
that we're going to do this in a loving and a helpful and caring and respectful way. And, you know, same rules at work. Mate, I've got a bit of feedback for you, but I don't want to give it to you until we can agree that, you know, our intentions are good, that we both want the best outcome for the relationship, for the customer, for our colleagues. There's some behaviour that isn't necessarily helping that, I don't think. So I really would like to talk to you about that. But I don't want to until I know that it's going to be safe and healthy and constructive because if it's not it's best that we don't have the chat so it raises an interesting point um it, it occurs to me that adults turn up at the workplace and not long and maybe it's the 12 weeks it sort of turns into kindergarten yeah so how how do you from a because i know one of the your areas of expertise is around leadership and, and personal growth so how do you create an environment where there's place to have that childlike enthusiasm and, and the childlike positive elements, but that responsible, I can have a confronting conversation with you and it'll be heard in the way that it's intended. Again, going to intentions yeah. versus that, well, you're just picking on me and I really didn't do it that bad. And actually it's your fault that <laughs> you should have been blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, oh, man, look what they're doing to me. So yeah. how, do you, how do you have that kind of environment that that has that respect but also has can have a bit of fun and playfulness yeah look i think it comes back to agreements people try to manage people so for anyone trying to manage people you should really give up that notion because we're way too weird and complicated we are um, manage agreements not people right. And I think right from the recruiting process right through to the induction process and then every week after Companies need to reinforce, the leadership of companies need to reinforce a culture that encourages feedback and encourages people to welcome it and love it and to do it where you can in a fun way. And then, you know, there are ways. So, look, you know, if people have got the other person presenting, the person that turns up 12 weeks later, cynical, resentful, cranky, unfeeling, negative person, um, some of the companies that we work with, uh, your peers have the right as the agreement to send you an email with a fun video attachment and the subject line is please remember the first agreement and the first agreement is to be the person that turned up at the job interview right so right from the start you've got that happening and i was with, with a client in the united states and it's tax auditing finance there's 200 people sitting in little squares and i'm talking to jim who's the owner of this company about the culture and how is it working in terms of the feedback mechanism because you know you cannot have excellence without feedback mechanism, not in any industry, and not in any part of our life. And as I'm talking to Jim, we hear the music playing because someone has received an email with the video because the agreement is that if you get some feedback from your peers to say that, you know, we want the other person back, please, the helpful, curious person, we want them back, um, not the other person, you have to play the video attachment out loud. And we heard the music, duh, 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 and it was like these mini cats like popping up over the top of it. I was getting some feedback to say they suck. Um, who is that? Um, and it's a reminder. You know, C.S. Lewis said people should be reminded, not instructed. Yeah. And, you know, we're still reminding people not to drink and drive. We're still reminding people to put their seatbelts on. We're still reminding people to be eating their five serves of fruit and veggies every day. Well, people need to be reminded, hey, remember that person that turned up at the job interview? Hey, remember that person at the first date? Remember our first year? I'm really missing that. Yeah. You know, what have we got to do to bring that back? Yeah. Because that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. how, how can we help that? I love one of the um, reminders that I've seen floating around, like, be the person your dog thinks you are. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I think that's cool because, you know, my dog thinks I'm awesome. You know, I haven't informed him otherwise. So it's just like that's, that's a high expectation to live up to, to be the person that your dog thinks you are. 
Yeah, Andor. Look, we had a ritual just on that when the kids were little, and up until about twelve or thirteen, we had an internal staircase in our home, and so and a dog that was an in-house dog, a little Bichon Freeze, and Louis would always be at the top of the stairs. <laughs> You know, just excited to see you. And my son and my daughter would come down beside the dog and and do the same thing. And we all, you know, well, hello, hello, hello. And I think, you know, if you could be just as excited, that not not the dog part, but you, if you could be just as excited as you were to see the dog as to see your partner, I think that's a pretty good start. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is when things are good, having the, a conversation, and it's a new agreement for some couples or for some companies. We need to set up a new agreement. We had all these people that turned up at the job interview that were awesome, amazing, inspiring. Yeah. And, you know, now we're not, no one's doing that anymore. Yeah. So how do we put a line in the sand, windscreen bigger than the rear vision mirror, let's move this on and let's go and do it differently. Yeah. Um, speaking of agreements, my wife and I have an agreement relating to the dog and that is when either of us come home first, you have to say hello to the person, then say hello to the dog. Beautiful. I think Amanda Gore actually mentioned that many years ago and I picked that up off her. And uh, I think it's so important you come home, the dog's just like ready to explode. So you're naturally going to go, oh, hello. But it's like that, you know, make a priority of the people who count. Yeah, no, that's very good. Awesome. Hey, um, now one of the things that I know one of the topics you talk about is to, ha- you know, having sustainable energy or having energy to get through your day and just, man, looking at your shirt is enough to energize my <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. As you should, as you should. And, and I know that, you know, I've, I've seen you perform and I know that you're very physical and, and bounce around a lot. So how, how do you sustain that energy? Like, what are some of the things that you do? Are you one of these people like, well, I go for a five kilometer run every morning and then I have my power <laughs> drink and my green Slurpee and da 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 da. Or are you no. red bulls all day? Or what, what sort of stuff do you do that, that, that keeps you energized? Look, I, I think, and you know, you're talking to, to a man now who's had a lifetime of the journey and paying attention to the journey. So, you know, I did write a really good book on how to have the energy of a four-year-old, which I should probably mention at some point. And um, we'll, put a, we'll put a link in the show notes as to where you can get a copy of that. Yeah, no worries. Well, that's actually just been re- rewritten to be your best you. How do you be the best version of you, the person that turned up at the job interview? And, you know, there's a series of dichotomies that I talk about in that book but I think just in terms of what it means every day you know you hear all the talk on time management we've all done our time management course at some particular point yet two days before you go on holidays is the only time you actually use the skills that you learn in the time management course you're dumping delegating deferring perfectionism is on a negative correlation completion rates on a positive correlation you're smoking on by a time management guru. Um, how do you have that kind of energy every day? Um, it starts with a really good yummy reason why. And, you know, uh, I think in terms for me, when I wake up every day, I'm fair income grateful that I've got another crack. So that, you know, God, the universe, the great spirit, whatever you believe in, thinks I'm still a good idea and goes, well, off you go, go and have another day. There's no white chalk line around my body. Um, so I actually practice this stuff. You know, like I, I, you will find me grateful for everything. I just, I am grateful for everything. If, you know, if I'm reading a book on the way to work, uh, you know, while I'm driving and parked at the lights, there's someone behind me that will always give me a little toot to remind me to get going if the traffic's moving on without me. It's like, hey, thanks for that. And, you know, in most busy commutes, you can get through half a book. Um, it's, it's easy to be grateful for me in managing that energy. So I think it's not so much a, a time issue, but an energy issue. 
I don't waste energy on anything. Some people behave like it's the ending of their life when there's no milk in the fridge. Well, there's just no milk in the fridge. Yeah. It's not the ending of your life. It was just the ending of your life with milk and the ending of your life without milk. Uh, some people go to the photocopier and go, there's no toner in the photocopier. Like it's the ending of their life. They've been pronounced dead. I mean, it's really just the ending of their life with toner and the beginning of their life without toner. So go and get some. Um, you know, I, I joke about four-year-olds don't whinge. You know, you will not hear me whinge about anything. Um, four-year-olds don't whinge to their mates. They whinge to their parents, but that's actually a problem-solving strategy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, four-year-olds like, oh, I don't know what your parents are like, mate, but mine are stupid. You know, I've asked my parents 50 times for this present. You know, what's a kid supposed to do? You know, I've let the Kmart catalog out, the Target catalog out. I give up. You won't see me at kindy next week. I'm on stress leave. It's just too hard. So uh, I've always believed that my effort makes a difference. I, you know, th with the finite amount of energy that I get every day, that one little bucket gifted to me, um, it's going to be finding the humour in things, not the cranky in things. It's going to be happy pants on, cranky pants off. It's grateful, not cynical. It's problem solving, not whinging. I'm going to be annoying people by being passionately curious as opposed to narcissistically critical. Um, and, and I think that makes a difference. And that's where the energy comes from. We, we, we get the same energy as a four-year-old, but most people just burn it up on stuff that adds no value to their life, let alone the life of anyone else. So you're talking about um, being uh, having a healthy perspective and looking at, at the the contribution of others and how they're giving to you and how you're contributing to them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who talk about the Gen Next or Gen Y or the young people who are very self uh, self aware, maybe self focused, who are all about me here now. What do I get? La 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 la. What's been your experience in? sharing that message with them is that something that they're open to do they do they embrace that or is that just sort of like ah oh, no that's you're just too positive you're hippie and da 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 <laughs> um, i'm more likely to get that from some cynical 50 for 50 yeah. 50 year old than i am to get it from some 23 year old who's maybe still a little more open and and optimistic about their life so um look i, I think I, I don't make any distinction around the generations and I think that it's one more excuse to create division and find out why we're different instead of actually trying to go, well, who is that person and how do they operate? And, you know, I know 21-year-olds that would sell their soul to progress in the company and I know 50-year-olds that would go, no, I think I'm just going to work a four-day week and do two different jobs because I'm liking this and I don't need the money. So it, it varies uh, based on who the individual is regardless of their age. Right that you know we forget so easily as older people that we were also that generation too um, most people can't remember what they had for lunch yesterday let alone what their partner bought them for christmas last year let alone what they were really like when they were 23 yeah so you know maybe the things that are annoying us about that generation are things that we still see in ourselves that we just still don't care to admit and you know, I think when people, you know, I work on the theory, Warwick, that reasonable people equally informed rarely differ. Yeah. So whether they're 21 or they're 50 and they realise that their behaviour will probably have an impact, which would mean that they get lied about at their farewell morning tea because it's the same speech every time. It just depends on whether it's true or not. You know, we're going to miss Bruce. Bruce is going to leave a real hole in our department. <laughs> 
Do it's true. If it's not true, people are going to go, yeah, asshole, you know, <laughs> the saucy rolls and disappear. So if a 21-year-old goes, it's not my intention to be lied about at the farewell morning tea. As a 50-year-old, it's not my intention to be lied about at the farewell morning tea. There's a good chance if they're a reasonable person and they understand that their behaviour is causing that impact, then they change their behaviour. Yeah. Whether they're 23, Gen Y, Gen Z, baby boomers, etc. Because I think the saddest thing for someone in their lifetime is to get to their farewell morning tea, particularly their final farewell morning tea, and two things, not even realise that they're being lied about. I think that lack of self-awareness around their behaviour and impact over the last 45 years of their career is a shame. I think it's really sad when people don't even realise that they're being lied about at their farewell morning tea. And I think the saddest part of that is when people don't even care. Yeah. They have no awareness or care that their entire life, um, people can't wait to see the back of them, not the front of them. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty sad life. That's tragic. That's tragic. <laughs> yeah. So in, in terms, you know, you've, you've spoken a lot about intention and which uh, to me leads to the having that awareness. So essentially you're talking about living this life based on choice in choosing who do I want to be? Who do I want to show up? And it's that, you know, you're talking about the final morning tea. If I want them to say how generous I was, what a great listener, a, a very caring individual, it's really saying, well, if that's what I want, that's what I have to do now to live up to that, to get that message at my final morning tea. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, and rarely, though, Warwick, I think in our busy, crazy lives, you know, we get to the end of every year and every year we're surprised it's the end of the year. Oh, where did the year go? Like, it's a surprise. Well, the Gregorian calendar has been running this way for over 500 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't panic. Uh, this is how it goes. Um, we get to the end of the year and we, we're kind of surprised because we just got busy again, repeating last year, this year, instead of stopping for a moment, like we did at the first dates, like we did at the job interviews and go, what's my intention? Yeah. What's my intention for today? Because once you get mindful of the intention, there's a better chance you're paying attention to your behavior and your impact. Yeah. You know, just before you went in home tonight and you said, okay, 10 seconds in the car or the last, if you're walking from the bus stop back to home, what do I, what do I want to be famous for for the next two hours? Mm. What's my intention? How do I want to impact the people I live with for the next two hours? If you did that six nights a week, give yourself one night a week off. But if you did that six nights a week, the people you live with might be actually excited to see the front of you, not the back of you. <laughs> you know, they might be by, by looking forward to going, I love my dad because he's so much fun to be with or yeah. he's so forgiving and he's so patient and so caring and so helpful. And then the reciprocity and the generosity that comes from that um, gosh, that's a, enough incentive for the person to go, let me keep on being generous and helpful and loving and gracious in yeah. that relationship. It's yeah. a beautiful way to improve something versus just diminish it. Yeah. I like the idea of, um, you know, what do you want to be famous for in the next two hours? Um, and, and speaking of famous, yes. a, Hannah had a very famous 18th birthday. Uh, oh, yes. Was that her 18th? Yeah. Which, it was her 18th, yes. And how many presents did she get for her 18th birthday? 21,000 with the little squiggles on approximately 21,000, just over or just under. I've got to tell you, Warwick, uh, that we have got still, I reckon, about 1,000 to go That's because just... we've opened every card, every envelope, every present. Hannah's read every card. We've looked at it. We never did some wholesale flick through, dump it, flick, dump. Yeah. We looked at every single card. So, it, so for the, for the, the listeners and the people watching, give yes. us... Give us a bit of background, like how how did Hannah get this so many <laughs> presents? How did how did you make this happen? 
Well, look, one of the things that I understand about life, I, I do this concept called the facts of life. And what are the facts of life? They're the guaranteed predictable things you know are going to happen. So, you know, I keep my big fact of life pen here and it's like, what's the fact of life? Gravity. Don't be surprised that when you let go of the pen, it goes to earth. It's what happens. And so once you understand what the facts of life are, like, you know, sometimes there's no milk in the fridge or people cut you off in the traffic or there's no toner in the copier. In fact, sometimes you're the only person who puts toner in the copier. Uh, sometimes the government will make decisions without consulting you personally. Uh, once you understand all of those facts of life, all of your energy can go into problem solving, fixing, influencing, or just letting it be. And one of the things that's a fact of life for people with disabilities, and Hannah has Down syndrome, as you know, is that people with disabilities aren't necessarily intentionally excluded, but they're rarely intentionally included. So one of the facts of life, it's a fact of life, and I've seen parents bitter, angry, twisted, hostile over the fact that their children aren't included, when sometimes it's, it's just hard work. That's the fact of life. For people having to deal with that and learn how to deal with your child, hard work. And so the sad part for that for Hannah was that she was not invited to a birthday party, like a school birthday party from her school friends, since year four. Because at year four, it becomes really obvious to those little eight, nine-year-olds that Hannah is radically different and how do you manage that relationship. And it's just easier not to invite those kids. So I had to watch as Hannah's dad. She went and had her own birthday parties and invited people. And of course they came because we were there to help make sure everything was okay. But Hannah had not had been invited to one since she was in year four. And so as a dad watching that, that's hard work. Yeah. So that's the fact of life. What could I do about it? Well, I thought for her 18th birthday, she shall not be excluded. She will be intentionally included. And I went to my Facebook community and said, and I'm lucky to have clients all over the world. So I've got people parked on my Facebook in America and in England and Africa and all over the place. Um, hey, if you get a chance, can you pop a card in the post? for Hannah for her 18th, that would be great. I'm hoping that you might say that she's a beautiful, courageous, uh, and, and wish her well for the future. And I'm thinking we might get one or 200 cards. Well, as you know, it went completely viral. It got on Channel 9, it got on Channel 7. I did every ABC radio interview, every radio interview in the country. We ended up with, at her birthday, I think we had about 17 or 18,000 cards, and then they just kept coming in for the next yep couple of weeks from all over the world, from Seychelles and everywhere in Europe. It was just amazing. And um, Hannah was intentionally included and she still loves the fact that she got to be on TV and she got to go for a ride in a limousine and all these cards came and it just lifted her. Yeah. And I think the people that got a chance to participate, it got a chance, it was an easy way for them to include Hannah in their world to intentionally include Hannah. They could write a card, send a gift. We, we had amazing homemade quilts, all sorts of things, Warwick. It was Fantastic. just, we would cry every time we would have a session of opening cards because you'd read something that somebody said and you went, you know, that's crazy. And as I look over on my desk, I, there's a letter there that I got from a lady in Townsville that was just amazing. It was yeah. one of the first letters we got. Just seeing the, the images that you'd had put on Facebook, like the mountains of mail and parcels and like Australia Post must have put on like a special van that just went straight to your house and we just shovel stuff out the back. Like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just, it was just phenomenal. It's such a, a wonderful thing. And um, um, I, I, th I think you're right in terms of like you've, you've obviously set the intention and then 
the, the positive spirit of everyone else and, and that obviously that you've been spreading that people have just reflected that back. It's, it's a real credit um, to, to both of you as a parent and also to Hannah. That's fan just fantastic. Yeah, and look, and to anyone who is listening or watching this particular podcast, I have to say thank you if you did send something. It's been physiologically impossible for us to be able to respond to every person. Uh, it would have required like a full-time PA to work a year. It would have cost sixty. $70,000 to be able to respond to everyone. And, you know, it's been, what we do with the next, I don't know, but we've got them all and we've decorated walls, etc. And it's nice to remember Hannah has not forgotten because we're still opening cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, going to be interesting to see what you do for her 21st, mate. That's uh, going to be interesting to see how you top that. Well, People have said that as well. And look, I, I, just because I'm in my office doing this with you, let me, can I indulge you in this little letter that we Please got? Do. I kept it and it was written. And if you can get a sense of the style of the card. And right. I'm like, oh, that's a, you know, that's a classic card in terms of genre. And I'm thinking, hmm, you know, dear Hannah, happy birthday, you know, wishing you the most wonderful love-filled birthday ever from Judy in Townsville. And this was her letter, right? It says, dear Hannah, you are so lucky to have such a wonderful loving dad. That, that made me feel good. Um, you don't know me. I am a 66-year-old grandma who lives in Townsville, but your dad let some people know that it's your birthday on September 19th. I had a daughter who went to live with the angels on that day a long time ago, and I'm usually a bit sad thinking about her. Her name was Wendy. This year, I would like to help your dad to show you how special you are and how much you are loved. Instead of being sad about Wendy this year, I will think of you and the lovely day. Oh, gosh, um, the lovely day your dad has planned for your birthday. Um, thank you, Hannah, um, for the opportunity uh, to count someone else's blessings. Hannah, I hope you have a really, really magical birthday filled with love and the many blessings from Judy. And you just, every time, yeah. there was, and that was one of the very first cards that we got and that we opened. And, I'm like, and it's sat on my desk ever since because it reminded me that it, it, it wasn't just about Hannah. It was about all these other people that wanted to yeah. do something good and that shifted people. It wasn't like there was a flood or destruction or a house burnt down. It was already good. It just made something even better, and that was pretty cool. That's that's a magnificent letter. So obviously, you know, your kids are, are very important to you, and I also know you travel significantly. So how do you how do you balance that? You travel a lot. You like spending time with your kids. How do you how do you balance that and make sure that you are setting that intention and being being the the, the great dad partner that that you you can be. Well, I think that when Hannah was little, it was easy because we would all travel together. The three of us would, you know, it would cost me one more airfare um, and we would all travel together and it wasn't so much time away. But, you know, comes the second child, comes the structure of the education system. And in the year 2000, I made a decision and it was a, it was a goal that I'd set when Hannah was born that by the time they went to school, based on the travel that I do for work, then I would have all the school holidays off with them over the next 18, 19, 20 years. 
And so like even today, uh, I got to take kids to school, I got to take Hannah to work. And um, when I'm working in Brisbane, when I'm not traveling, then my day is still structured around family. And sometimes I work a casual day where I will start work at 9.30 after I've dropped kids at school or work and then pick them up at quarter to three in the afternoon. And I'll finish a meeting in the car park on the telephone at quarter to three, but that's when it finishes. And then I go and be a dad for the next four or five hours. And then as you know, I'm easy enough to sneak away with modern technology once the kids yep. go to bed and smash out a couple more hours if you need to get some things done. So creating that flexible work environment for me and proudly taking my 10 to 12 weeks annual leave for the last 16 years has been part of making life work in the other or making my business work in that. And, yep. you know, I can only do that with the support of some really good staff that have helped me uh, with that as well. Yeah. Fantastic. So it sounds like you, you've created this really quite a successful life that enables you to, to, to make a difference to others. What do you wish you'd known earlier? What, what are some of the hard-earned lessons that you're like, man, if only I knew this 20 years ago, 15 years ago? Oh, gosh. Look, I, I wish I had... There's a long list of those, by the way. And give, us, give, us the you, three. give us the top I'm three. I'm adding, adding to that list on a regular basis. Um, perfectionism for me was a sure cure for happiness, you know, and I literally, I, I probably would have published by now something like 20 books if I had have not been the perfectionist. I look at some stuff I created in the 1990s and I've given it to people to go, what do you think about that? And they go, that's awesome. I really love that. When did you publish that? Oh, no, it's, that's not a memory stick still. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, that lesson kicked in about 10 years ago that eventually the book started to come and I started to go, that was the book that I wrote in 2007. I'd write a different one in 2009 because I'm wiser, smarter, had different experiences. I'm a different person two years later. Yeah. So that's as, as good as it's going to be for now. Yeah. So learning to deal with that unnecessary perfectionism, striving, waiting, and in the most part, avoiding delaying, completing or putting things out there because it wasn't perfect. Well, it's never going to be perfect. Um, if I'm going to be in it, it can't be perfect. <laughs> How could it be perfect? I'm in this thing. So, um, so I think that's at, that's at the top of the list. Um, the lesson that I wish I had learned uh, before that, I think, particularly in business, you always need an accountant and a lawyer if you're going to be buying and selling businesses or doing business. Spend more time with them at the beginning and less time with them at the end. Yeah. Uh, so I've learned to delay the process, if you like, uh, because I thought, no, it'll be right high levels of trust it's all good well not everybody wants to play win-win and some people actually need a legally binding document to remember the agreement that we made yeah so, um yeah so i think that you always need a lawyer an accountant in business and a business advisor financial planners you always need them um best to use them at the beginning and it's even more fun. It might be a little more frustrating. It might take an extra week or two to agree and get the documentation right. But at the end, it's a handshake, a quiet beer, and hey, good on you, mate. That was fun. What a, what a great ride. Everyone's honoured their agreement. We've got the document there that d demonstrates in financial and or legal terms exactly what we've agreed. Um, so I think that's, that's advice that I'm still learning, just by the way. <laughs> I'm still working on that. And it probably cost you a whole lot less to get him involved right up front than it does at the end as well. Yeah, and not just in dollars either, uh, Warwick, but in terms of the emotional involvement. Oh, and time, energy, effort, yeah. 
all of that, you know, at the beginning, yes, it's a little bit, it's fun at the beginning because of the anticipation as well. Yeah. The lawyer, come on, let's get and rub this together and make it right for everybody. So I think that's, um, that's one. And I think, what else was I slow? I think I was a little slow picking up the fact that as much as I understood mortality and that it's, you know, we're not going to be here for a thousand years. We're barely going to be here for 70. Um, if you follow the current data trend, you know, plus a few bonus ones after that insurance companies won't even insure you for travel after age 70 because normally something's wrong with you. You've got to get a special exemption. So I think I was a little slow to actually just know that this is it. Mm. this is it this is today is all there is and i've got all the beautiful memories of tomorrow and i've done a pretty good job at that but i think i was always preparing for life i was like mm, what am i going to do and it wasn't until you know 2012 that i you know i thought no I, I haven't had long service leave this is australia everyone gets long service leave why can't i get that as a self-employed person yeah so not last year the year before 2013 i took you know five weeks off uh, and I'm going to do the same this year as well. And I know I have all the school holidays off, but I'm talking five weeks just to do something. I can't remember the last time really I did five weeks in a row like yeah. that. Yeah. So um, that's that was really, really good to go. What, what am I waiting for? Um, I'm at the age where, sadly, your mates are getting diagnosed with all sorts of things and, yeah. you know, sometimes death yeah. and so you go like what, what am I waiting for I, I think I was busy preparing and that's part of that perfectionistic bit too I think mate I, I was busy preparing trying to get this all set and it's like yes, yeah. right. the killer sentence that always gets me was this whole once this happens then I'll yeah like you know that that thing can never happen so it's like <laughs> do it now yeah do it now Hey, Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic chatting with you. Some really great tips and ideas there. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about your books and your services, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? The best way is um, via the internet. Obviously, that seems to be everyone's connected on our, the website, which is simply just www.brucesullivan.com. So you don't even have to put the AU on that. That just uses my international client. So just brucesullivan.com. Uh, and you can always ring the office on 1-800-85-86-87. And Melissa will do whatever she can to help you with the inquiry that you might have. So great. Bruce, thank you so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. It's been great to chat. Congratulations on your success too. It's been fun. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary. Look forward to having you back next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and we hope you can get more success.